the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up this hour, have you been watching all the excitement at the Olympics? Well, we have, and we're going to discuss. And then we'll be joined by Junie Felix, author of the new book, You're Worth the Work, Moving Forward from Trauma to Faith. You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on a beautiful Monday afternoon. Glad that you're with us. Hope you had a great weekend. We are good to be added again. Aubrey, you've been watching the Olympics. You've been following this. You've been like uh, red, white, and blue, ready to roll. I mean, I got my Olympic shirt on. <laughs> I got my Olympic hat on. You I, are Captain I, America. That's right. I'm watching it when I can. Yeah. I confess because I've been in grad school. I'm a little out of the Olympic loop, but I... I generally am for the Olympics. Yeah, so uh, let's discuss the Olympics a little okay, bit. Let's because, do it. Uh, that's kind of the major thing going on right yes. now. And there are a couple different things that jumped out, but let's start with the obvious one. We had some major stuff today. The women's national team lost the uh, soccer. Sad. We got all sad. We got all <laughs> that going on. But it seems like the Olympics right now are dominated by a few people. Yes. Caleb Dressel in the pool, five gold medals. Like, okay, Amazing. Maybe share a few. Maybe let them go. <laughs> Spread it around a little but Simone Biles still seems to be the dominant person she is the, the dominant queen and, and of it, the Olympic story yeah and a lot of it was over uh, you know the discussion mm-hmm. about her dropping out for mental health and this whole idea of the twisties which while a funny word is a terrifying <laughs> it's a terrible thing. thing it sounds fun but it's terrible <laughs> it's not, you start reading about it and she's like it's this thing that we're, literally when a gymnast is in midair, they, they don't know if they're going to land on their that's feet or so not. Scary. Like, that's what was going no, on with her. Scary. So anyone who's like, oh, she's a quitter. Nope. She is not like, a quitter. That is exactly what's going on. But but thinking of Simone Biles, the word came out this morning. Well, one of the amazing things is while she's been sitting out, uh-huh. Amer- Americans keep winning. Like we got the all around, yes. we got this gold, this silver, yes. this is great. Well, she, uh, the last possible thing that she could compete in is the individual uh, balance beam. Balance the word beam. came out. I think mm-hmm. most people expected that she would uh, bow out of that one uh, because she's uh-huh. bowed out of all the other ones. But she's going to compete. She's going to compete. I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah. And I think that says something about her, but about also just kind of the Olympic spirit. I think it's going to be fun, don't you think, to watch her compete? Oh, I think it's going to be amazing. I think she'll probably get the gold. I think it's going to (laughs) be such a great day for her and for the Olympic team. And you know what I love? I love that she had the wherewithal to step back when she needed to. But that she's also still the athlete she always has been. And she's like, you know what? I'm not going home without my goal, at least trying for it. So I'm going to do this. So I am excited to cheer her on. When you and I were discussing this off air, uh, you said something interesting. You asked me, did she go home? And I said, no, I think, no, she's not only stayed in Tokyo. You see her at every one of the events. Cheering her teammates on. Which most people are probably like, that's the natural thing to do. I would find that extremely difficult. I would too, because you, you'd you feel sad, I think, that it wasn't you. But the fact that she's such a team player and, and so for her team members, it's a beautiful example. It's kind of like, it's a different circumstance. But remember when Michael Jordan went and took a break and played baseball? And I always wondered what it was like for him to watch 
knowing he's the best. Right. And to watch right. games. And now her probably watching the all around, which she's been training for for four yeah, or five she's years. She's the best out there. Uh, has got to be hard. So that's coming up. You think you'll take the time to watch that one? Think you'll do that tomorrow? I, I This feels important. Like it must be watched. So Worthy I'm going to set time. my <laughs> alarm and watch it. I always forget it goes from swimming quickly into track and field. So now you're getting all the, the fast people and the this and that. But there was an amazing one that I wanted to bring up out of track and field that happened just the other oh, day. Yeah, I know what you're going to talk about. Uh, maybe you've people have seen this clip, but it was from the high jump. So the high jump is, uh, you know, there's a bar and you try to jump you over jump it. People over do it. the backwards fl- like flop mm-hmm. over it. And um, th- that happened the other day. And the two guys, I- I'm forgetting where they were from, but the two guys who won, uh, they were tied. They were tied at the exact same level. Unbelievable. So they, they jumped at the exact same height. Not only that, but the tiebreaker is the number of failures you had along the way, and neither of them had any. Amazing. So they were literally tied, and there's this great viral clip going around in which there's a judge talking to both of them and says, uh, hey, if you would like, uh, no, not if you would like, hey, the next step is a jump off. So you're both tied for first. We're going to jump off. And break that tie. Break the tie. One of you is going to get the gold. One of you is going to get the silver. They're from two very different places. I think it's Qatar and Italy. Um, and Italy. Mm-hmm. Could you find Qatar on a map? Uh, definitely not. Could you? No, 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 I cannot. Nope. I have no idea where it's it next is. to Iowa. <laughs> so, Sounds right. Uh, the, then, but then the guy from Qatar looks at the judge and says, well, can we both have a gold? Can we just be tied? Right. And the judge, he was really funny. The judge looks at them. He looks down. He looks at him. He goes, I think so. And it was like <laughs> this cool amazing. moment. I love and it. it what was, I would encourage people to go Google this because what happened was then they both looked at each other and then they go, well, that's what we'll do. And the guy from Italy went nuts. These guys started like just celebrating. They were smiling. Awesome. He jumped into the other guy's arm. Oh, they were no longer it. competitors, but now they were about each other's success. So and it's cool. really interesting. We live in a social media world, right? Where, yep. where people, you know, go, oh, everyone's got a problem with everything, yes. right? And and of course, there were people going, this isn't what the Olympics is about. You can't tie. Right, come on. But most people are like, man, this is really it's cool. It's awesome. It's inspiring. It's fun. And I feel like after this year, we need that kind of love, yeah. don't we? What's inspirational about it for you? I want to talk about that because I do think uh-huh. it's inspiring and says something not just about the Olympic spirit, but the human spirit. Right. So what can we learn from that I mean, move? I guess just what you said, that we don't always have to be fierce competitors. There are times to just celebrate one another and be like, hey, we both did this incredible thing. Let's celebrate it yeah. and not try to like out outdo the other. I think there's something really beautiful about um, putting aside your need to win and realizing like, no, we both won. That's awesome. That's enough. Especially after the divisive year and a half we've had, it's just it's just really beautiful. Yeah, and that they both got gold medals for it. I think Very there was cool. something there about not needing to. There was something in there about being able to uh, cheer for somebody else's success. Yes, that's because, it. You know, these guys, they're the best of the best. Right. I can beat that guy. Right. I'm going to try to beat him. And uh, but they were able to celebrate one another's success. I think we could probably learn something from that. Can we both get golds? I love that. Yeah, so good. We, it was so funny because he asked it just like that. Can we both have golds? <laughs> And they're like, yes. And they're both, Why well, not? that's what Let's we'll do. do. So hopefully you're all enjoying the Olympics out there. Great stuff in the pool and in gymnastics. And now it moves over to track and field. Uh, really enjoyable stuff at the Olympics. Well, coming up next, Aubrey and I are excited to be joined by Junie Felix. She's the author of a new book coming out soon called You Are Worth the Work, Moving Forward from Trauma to Faith. We're going to spend some time with Junie next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. 
everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. And Aubrey and I are thrilled to be joined in studio. Aubrey, a little behind the scenes. People don't know. We haven't had we anybody haven't had studio in studio. guests since COVID. So, so right this now, is a miracle moment. This is, this a is amazing. Moment. This is literally your first in-studio guest that you've yes, had a part of. So, so excited. We are thrilled to be joined by Junie Felix. Junie, amongst other things, is the author of a new book called You Are Worth the Work, Moving Forward from Trauma to Faith. Junie, how are you doing? I am overjoyed. So happy to be talking with you and Aubrey. This is exciting. This, this is, is a lot of so fun. fun. We're fun. so glad you're here, Junie. Hey, Junie, before we dive into the book and all sorts of other things, just introduce yourself. Let our audience know who you are. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, I am a super sci-fi geek, <laughs> total technology nerd, a technologist, a behavior designer, world traveler, and I am the most important thing about me is I am completely in love with Jesus. Amen. He is the best part of life, hands down. That's hey, awesome. Man, I love that. Junie, so I'm sitting here holding your book, your tiny book, which I, I'll share a picture on our Common Good Talk at Instagram, um, on Instagram page so people can see it. You are worth the work moving forward from trauma to faith. And it is a beautiful book just to hold in my hand. I would love for our listeners to hear, Junie, why you wrote this. Um, my pleasure. And I'm glad you mentioned tiny. That means you've got a great attention to detail and you've got a huge <laughs> advantage when it comes to walking in the freedom that comes from knowing how human behavior and psychology actually mm. works. And you will notice the book is tiny because it one of the methods, one of the models that I teach in the book is tiny habits, mm. which is one of the models of behavior design, which is the science of human behavior and how mm. human behavior actually works. I do teach for the Stanford Behavior Design Lab teaching team. Wow. I'm a teaching team member. Thank you. It's, it's a mm-hmm. lot of fun. I only do it because it's fun. I have a life rule. If it's not fun, don't do it. <laughs> Unless you have to. And if it's not fun, don't do it for long. <laughs> until you don't have to anymore. But yeah, so the book is designed. It's small in size. You can hold it in your hands. You can stuff it in a, a purse or yeah. a man bag or, you know, it's small in size <laughs> by design bag, because tiny is important. Mm-hmm. And also you were just talking about the Olympics uh, a little mm-hmm. while ago and mm-hmm. I, I smile from the inside out because in Tokyo, which is uh, my mom's hometown, my mom oh, and no yeah, my mom and auntie were adopted in Tokyo, so my heritage on my mother's side is Japanese. So I just really love um, the, so cool. the fact that my design team, without any prompting from me, chose the colors of the Japanese flag. Uh-oh. And also, if you look really closely on there, there is a motherboard behind that origami butterfly because oh, yeah, there, human, is. <laughs> there it is. Just yes, so cool, yes. very so close. Cool. Oh, that's our, my awesome design team uh, just put that in there for me, but. Tiny Habits and You Are Worth the Work, Moving Forward from Trauma to Faith. This is an offering taking all of my knowledge and expertise in the science of human behavior and behavior design and funneling it all into this discipleship encouragement product Mm. that Mm. really has has been a help to people of all backgrounds and um and all spectrum. Everybody wow. on the spectrum of faith wow. has found some encouragement through this work and its many different manifestations. This one here is everything all in one place to help those who are stuck because yeah. of the trauma, the pain, the echo of the trauma from their past. Yeah. Mostly complex childhood trauma mm. that echoes into the decades that come. Yeah. This work is specifically designed to help those who are stuck to move forward and keep moving forward with sustainable growth and healing and new life in their journey, their oh, healing journey. Wow, that's awesome. And Junie, in the next segment, we're going to talk some more about the strategies and this and that. But 
But what about the person out there who's like, I just deep down don't believe that I can get unstuck, that I believe that trauma is going to be always kind of what defines me. What would you say to that person? Well, some say perspective is uh, some say that, you know, perspective is everything. But I, you know, I agree with that on a certain level. But the truth is belief is everything. Mm. And if that is the way that you're talking to yourself about yourself and about your journey, then because we're made in the image of God, we are measurably powerful. I mean, exponentially multi-realm powerful. That's right. You're speaking that over your journey you're you're pretty much going to stay stuck barring mm-hmm. a miracle mm-hmm. yeah. that's why for most of us walking an aisle praying a prayer memorizing the entire new testament mm-hmm. serving until we are blue in the face yeah. and passed yeah. out on the floor <laughs> is not enough yeah. right yeah. you need something more yeah. and my my offering here is the something more mm-hmm. that's been missing and it is understanding god's design for the healing journey mm-hmm. And that's a great Love segue because uh, Junie's going to stay with us and we're going to talk about that something more. What are those more things? What are those things that we can do to move uh, from trauma to faith? What does that journey look like? We are thrilled to be joined by Junie Felix again. Her book is coming out August 17th. It is called You Are Worth the Work, Moving Forward from Trauma to Faith. What's it like when your book's coming out in two weeks? You've been working all this. Like, is it? I'm just so excited. I'm nervous. What are the what are the feelings as a book is about to come out? What's the biggest roller coaster you've ever ridden? <laughs> I'm, I'm so serious. What's the biggest roller coaster you've ever been on? Maybe yeah. the Goliath. Yeah, uh, I'm not know, a big just... roller coaster guy, but I get where you're going. Okay, yeah, so yeah. it's like when you're writing the book, you're in the line, and you're so excited because uh-huh. you heard all about it. And then when you get up there and you're sitting down, you know, there's a different kind of anticipation. And then, you know, as you're leading up to launch, it's like the click, click, uh-huh. click, <laughs> click, click, click of the car. And you're like, oh, I'm super excited, but oh my gosh, this is really high. Yes. How much longer are we going to be clicking up? Yes. So you get a little terrified. <laughs> right. And then August 17th is going to be the woo! There you go. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> That's going to feel awesome. so good. That's the best way I can describe it. It's <laughs> a really good. great description, Would you, Judy. How, what do you think, Aubrey, about uh, description? <laughs> I, I, yes, I feel like the same. And then I feel like when once the book comes out and you're writing, there's definitely still some loops and some ups and oh, some yeah. downs. You're, and you're headed for it. But yeah. at least there's some momentum at that point. So that feels exactly. Really and eventually good. the ride will end and every, you won't be trending anymore. Nobody will care. <laughs> no one's going to care. You're They're on to, new ride. You get to go sit on the beach and stare at the ocean like, yeah, what awesome. just happened? That's yes, awesome. Lord, what did you just do? Again, the title of Junie Felix's book is You Are Worth the Work, Moving Forward from Trauma to Faith. It comes out August 17th. I'm sure it's available for pre-order now wherever you can get yes, your books. please. Junie, yes. one of the things that we were briefly talking about um, off air was... This work was born um, not just out of your expertise, but your life story that you've walked through some trauma as well. Do you feel like talking about some of that with our listeners, what inspired you to kind of pour your heart out for them? Well, I'm prepared for that for sure. Yeah, I'm a complex trauma survivor. That's the official term for it. You can Google it up. But it basically <laughs> just means that I am a, someone who's in the family of the human family who has a series of different layers of what's called ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. Mm-hmm. And of course, that echoes into adulthood because when you're born into a whirlwind of chaos, my mother was sick as long as I knew her. I wow. never knew her well. Wow, my geez. earliest memory of realizing that I needed to help take care of her, I was five years old. Mm-hmm. And so and she just had this knack for attracting abusive men. Mm. So I had abusive adults always a part of my journey when I was growing up. So there's like these layers of trauma. And then into adulthood, there's still the echo of that trauma when you're caring for your loved one. I took care of her uh, really close up right up until she died. Um, And uh, she 
it was just a, an ongoing battle against the darkness that mm-hmm. I was born into. So in the midst of all the chaos and the hunger and the homelessness and the poverty and the abuse, wow, Jenny. Jesus continually reached out and spoke to me. And for a long, long time, I never knew who it was or what it was, wow. but not until I got into the scriptures did I discover mm-hmm. that it's been him all along. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Now, uh, you talk about the journey of healing here, moving forward from trauma to faith. I, I know it's the point of the book, but help us understand some of those small steps. How, what is the journey? Help people understand the journey that can lead them to greater healing. Well, that's an important part of getting started mm-hmm. is just understanding that healing is a journey. Now, as a human family, we're all on a healing journey. We all know this world is not as it should be right. and will be. Yeah. We're all on a healing journey. But for those of us who are complex trauma survivors, Even if it's not childhood trauma, whatever that trauma is that rocked you and pushed you down and you can't seem to get back up the way that Mm -hmm. you most hope and pray to, Mm -hmm. that's where you need to start. You need to realize and recognize that this is a healing journey. It's nothing to be ashamed of. We're all on this healing journey and speaking out is a great first step. But That's where the courage that you need really comes in. Yeah. Oh, that's so, such a good word, Junie. Junie, one of the things that you said earlier in our first part of our conversation together was really about the things that we speak over our journey. And I think that's there's something really powerful in that that I want our listeners to hear. What do you mean by that? The things they're saying out loud about themselves? Where, why is there power in that? Well, um, I have a squirrel that I feed regularly. His name is Carlton. Uh, and, um, since we recently moved, Carlton is having to find other, you know, sources of food. Oh, I mean, poor we, Carlton. We, we have new, we have new squirrels we feed. Now we have, um, Enoch. My son named him, e, um, we, Enoch, who comes to get something to eat. But we put peanuts out for, for our, for the squirrels. And then we enjoy coming. They come. They're a little scared at first. Mm. But once you do this for a while, the squirrel becomes your friend. Yeah. And And so I use that analogy because in the healing journey and the courage that it takes to know the power that you have as a human being. Now, Carlton, the squirrel and Enoch, um, they are squirrels. And so they spend all day long squirreling, right? They do do what squirrels do. What squirrels have the ability to do, they do. But we are humans. Mm. We are amazing creatures. Yes. We are the only creatures made in the image of God. God mm-hmm. is our Papa. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I mean, when God thinks of something, it becomes. When yes. God speaks something, it becomes. Yes. Now, as his kids made in his image, the things that we speak over our journey have true power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are you saying? Yeah. And you know, there's enough bullies in the world. Yeah. Don't bully yourself. Mm, that's okay. good. Always that's good. and only be kind. Mm. Yeah. Very good, Junie. You said this. I, I read this. It says, willpower isn't enough to break free. Goals don't work either. The secret to sustained healing is this. Keep it simple. One tiny step after the next. Now, some people might think, I thought willpower is the whole key. You're <laughs> setting goals about what it. Talk to us. You've, you've mentioned it a couple times, but keeping it simple. One tiny step. Why is that the key in your opinion? Well, there's a whole section in the book called Why Willpower Won't. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. From now on, and this is even something that I share in my tech workshops with design teams. As a behavior design teaching team, we speak to teams all over the world. The product systems and services that you and I use every day have been touched in some way Mm. by the Stanford Behavior Design Lab, or formerly known as the Persuasive Technology Lab. Mm. And behavior design is the science of love. Mm. And the science of love is tiny. So you have to 
commit to converting, it's essential. I hate to say you have to because that causes some resistance in some people who think I'm, you know, I'm trying to control them or tell them what to do. For yeah. trauma survivors, feeling controlled in any way is a trigger. Mm-hmm. So I encourage you to, and I pray that you will, you must think tiny mm. and understand that willpower is not meant to sustain us. Willpower is like a prompt on your smartphone that reminds you of what's important in your life. Mm. It reminds you what matters to you. That's yeah. all willpower is. Mm. Willpower was never designed to sustain us because God is our sustainer. Mm. Right. So we're going to fall fat on, flat. I say fat because we are counting on willpower. And yeah. I, you know, I don't say that to be insensitive. I had a sugar addiction that, that flared up when my mother passed in 2015 mm. and I was completely addicted to Baskin Robbins bubblegum ice cream. Wow. I would go in the off season and I would say, Hey, I know you got some in the back. Mm. I know this is a summer flavor, but wow. I need this, you know, so we're, we're going to fall flat on our backs. Yep. If we rely on willpower, willpower was never meant to sustain us because that's God's job. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Goals don't work. Systems do. <laughs> wow. And systems always work. Mm. Wow. Because God is not random or chaotic. Mm. He's systematic. Mm. God is a systems guy. That's good. Junie, I, I'm sitting here thinking of our listeners who may be in the middle of their trauma. Mm-hmm. And just don't even know, like you're talking about tiny steps. You're talking about God being a systems guy, but where do they even start? Obviously, by Junie's book, you are mm-hmm. worth the yes. work moving forward from trauma to faith. Thank you. But Junie, what's just a word that you would speak over that listener who's in the middle of his or her pain right now? Oh, I can speak an understanding word for sure. I mean, I've been in trauma therapy since I was four years old. I don't know who suggested it. My medical records do confirm that I started trauma therapy when I was four years old. Wow, Junie. Uh, part of my trauma trauma is that I am a uh, pre-verbal trauma survivor. And if you are, you know what that means. But yeah. just in case, it's the term to describe those of us who had trauma that happened when we ha- before we had words, mm. wow. literal words to speak. Yeah. I have second degree burns on my body from when I was six months old. Jeremy. And so... <laughs> You're, you're amazing. Thank you for caring. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, and then it just kept going and going and going. But the, the trauma did not stop yeah. um, in my journey, in my sibling's journey. And I have reminders of that trauma all the time. Now, in behavior design, we call them prompts mm. in the formula for human be- human behavior. That's the P. That's the prompt. And so when I say I look at my arm and you can see it from here. Mm-hmm. One of the burns is very big. You know, my, my trauma therapist, my PTSD trained trauma therapist who I see regularly, I stay in trauma therapy. I might, you know, like Jacob had the limp after wrestling with God. Yep. I might limp my way to glory, but I'm going to do it joyfully. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> it's going to be full of happy dances, you know, so That's I right. understand, you know, there's a reminder right here. My trauma therapist says I should get a tattoo mm. that will, whenever I see the burns, I will remember something that's comforting mm. and calming. And I'm not there yet in my healing journey where I want to tattoo over it because yeah. I think that would make it more obvious. Mm. So let's say something happens that reminds me of um, the season in my journey that was particularly wretched. And I have a crying spell, a bad crying spell. I'm laying on the floor crying. You know, I can be compassionate with myself and my journey. I can ball up and let God hold me and treat that that crying spell like an asthma attack. I also have asthma. I did Mm. not ask for asthma. I did not ask for trauma. Mm. Right. I have a rescue inhaler because I have asthma. Mm-hmm. I'm having a panic attack and a crying spell because of my trauma. Yeah. So be compassionate with yourself in your journey and do something tiny but helpful and healing in response. Mm-hmm. Whisper a prayer. Breathe. Deep, intentional inhale. Mm-hmm. Hold yourself like I do and say, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm mm-hmm. okay. I'm safe, I'm okay, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Do something tiny but healing and helpful and then celebrate by thanking God that he's with you. And you got this. You're doing mm-hmm. this thing. That's awesome. Taking 
the next tiny step. Oh, Jeannie, it's so good. Go out and get her new book. You are worth the work. You're worth the work moving forward from trauma to faith. Jeannie, this is not going to be the last time we have you in here. This is way too much fun. Hey, before we let you go, could you tell people social media, everywhere they can find Junie. They're listening to you right now. They're like, I want to hear more I want to know more. I want to I meet her on social media, whatever else. Where's all the places people can find you? Well, I really feel prompted for the one who's really hurting right now and connecting with what we're sharing. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, mm-hmm. which is a very popular app, if you don't, I highly recommend the YouVersion mm-hmm. Bible app. Go to Plans and then type in my name, Junie Felix, J-U-N-I, Felix, like fix it, Felix. Felix, just type in my name or type in tiny habits and you'll get a three day reading plan to get you started on the healing journey awesome. using behavior design. You can also visit my website, mm-hmm. juniefelix.com. And on Instagram, which is my favorite way to keep in touch, it's fun. Find me there and then click on the link for the Tiny Habits for Successful Soul Care. Mm -hmm. And you can listen to the podcast. I don't post as much as I used to on the podcast, but I post frequently on the Instagram. And you can message me there and we can keep in touch and learn and grow together. So good. So good. Again, the book comes out August 17th. You can pre-order it now. It's called You Are Worth the Work. Moving forward from trauma to faith. That author, again, is Junie Felix. Junie, thanks for coming in. This yeah, was a lot thanks, of fun. thanks, Junie. It's amazing My to be with pleasure. you. You guys are awesome. Thank Keep up the you. great work. Thank you. You're listening to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on a Monday afternoon. Feels like a Monday. Feels like a Monday. Exactly how a Monday should it's feel. It's a Monday. It's a Monday. And we've got a full week ahead of us. We're excited to uh, be with you all week. Hope that you're having a good start to your week today. Well, Aubrey, we just had Junie Felix on. Amazing. Talking about her new book, You Are Worth the Work, Moving Forward from Trauma to Faith. Speaking of books, yes, is that a segue? Was that what we call a segue? I thought in that the was business? a solid segue right there. There is a new book coming out called Known How I've... Believing Who God Says You Are Changes Everything. I've heard of it. It is written by none other than Aubrey Sampson. So give us a little bit. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to interview my co host oh, a little so bit. This is so fun. So, why is like kind of this week today a big deal? Because the book's yes. not coming out for a little bit. Right. So, what, what makes kind of this season right now important and how yes. can people jump on board? The book comes out in about a month. This week is important because this is book launch season, which means officially today is the first day that um, someone could sign up to be a part of my book launch team and applications are open only until Friday at noon. If you go to any of my social media platforms at Obsamp on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, you can find the application there in my bio or on the page itself and sign up to be a part of the team because the launch team is part of the incredible important marketing that uh, helps a book launch into the world so that more and more people hear about it. And so more importantly, that the message goes out. And so I'm very excited to have launch team applications open up right now. Would love to have you join me as we launch this book into the world. That's awesome. And I I want to talk a little bit about what the book is about, because I think it's an important message. But I think a lot of us people who've never written a book don't give much thought to how do you promote a book? It feels like... (laughs) 
I've got something I want to say. I write this book. Uh-huh. People buy the book. Right. <laughs> the way we go. I wish that was how it worked. But when you're an author, you're also technically a book promoter or yeah. a book sales expert. And so that's the beautiful thing about doing it in community with a book launch team is everyone part of the team helps get the word about the book out into the world. How do you feel about now this is getting started? The book's about a month away. We mm-hmm. asked Junie when she was in, like, mm-hmm. what's it like when the book is about to come out? That's got to be, is it more nervous, more excited? What is it? Uh, right now, I feel really excited. I can't wait for it to come out. I can't wait for it to be in people's hands. I feel like it's a really important message. I feel grateful that God has given me this message. I feel grateful for the people coming around the book. And so I'm just sort of excited to like launch it. Get that. Mm-hmm. It's like getting that baby out. Get that <laughs> baby out. Bring her into the world so that all people can know how cute she is. So two things I've never done in my life. Write a book or get a baby. There you go. So you have no (laughs) idea what I'm talking about right now. (laughs) Those are two things I've never done. But uh, so, okay, let's talk about your book again. You didn't really know we were going to do this. You didn't know we were promoting your book. But you know what? I want to see your book be a big success. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that about you. so once it's out, do you start speaking? Do you like kind of go on a book tour? Are you going to be in the studio at all? Are you out and about? I'm, I'm done. I'm leaving you, Brian. No, uh, yes. It, it'll start. Uh, I'll start doing interviews and articles and speaking engagements and some very fun things like that. Things I really enjoy awesome. doing to promote the book. But I will be here primarily obviously. and I will do that on the side, obviously. obviously. Yeah. Right. So what's the book about? It's called Known. What, what, here, let me ask you the question yes. that we ask everyone that we, all oh, the authors okay. we ask. Why'd you write this book? Why did I at write this, this time? book? Yes. You know, I, there are names that we speak over ourselves almost unknowingly. And I'll just be really vulnerable with our listeners here. One of the names for me is I always, anytime I would do something that kind of embarrassed me, I would go, Oh, Aubrey, you're so needy. Mm. You're so needy. You're so needy. And it became this really sort of devastating phrase that I spoke over myself for years and years and years. And as I did some work to figure out where this word actually came from, I realized it actually came from two experiences of sexual assault when I was a teenager, Mm. where I blamed myself for being too needy. And because of that, I was assaulted. And so um, all that to say, uh, there was a very specific day in my early 20s when I was in college and I sat in a space and just bawled my eyes out praying that God would remove the name needy from my soul and Mm. replace it with something else. But here's what God did years later, decades later. I'm a mom. I'm in the hospital for the very first time holding my oldest son, Eli, my firstborn. And I can remember looking at him. I'm going to cry talking about this, but I can remember looking at him and realizing how beautifully needy he was, Mm. like how desperately he needed me. And in that moment, I felt like God, um, didn't replace the name from my prayer all those years ago, but completely redeemed it. Because Mm. part of what it means to be human is to be needy. And in our neediness for God, we are most human. And so it was just this moment where I realized sometimes God doesn't always take away these devastating names. Sometimes he actually meets them with his own redemption Mm. and change them in ways that we could not even expect. So ultimately, this book is about the names, for better or worse, that we speak over ourselves or other people have spoken over us and what God has to say in the middle of those names over his sons and his daughters. Mm. That's, there's so much good stuff there. And I'm I know excited. the I know the answer is to read the book, but how do we even figure out the mm. names that we call ourselves or that others have called? Like, do, yeah. How do you even figure that out? Yeah, you know, the hard part is sometimes the names that we're like replaying on the tapes of our minds, they're like uh, our Wi-Fi password. Like we just sort of know it, but <laughs> yes. we don't really realize it. So I do think it takes some awareness to go, oh, wait, 
there's I just called myself dumb again or oh wait I just said yeah. oh you're not enough again or oh wait like it, it does take a little bit of awareness and mindfulness to go oh there's that there's that noise in my head again on repeat and then once you're aware of those things and there's some generally we all have you're not enough you need to be more like this you're you're to this once we become aware of those we begin to invite the Holy Spirit in to replace those with God's names for us mm. and then I the next obvious question then is how do we learn God's names for us? Yes. So I think that's a really important question because these are not random names. The book is about God's names for us in scripture because it's important to me that these names are anchored in God's truth and God's mouth and like God's heart for his children. And so I go through different names based on the different um, scriptures about the image of God Mm. from Genesis to Revelation. And so there's names like beloved, there's names like made, there's names like known, which is the book Mm -hmm. title. Um, There's names like child, you know, all all kinds of. And then ultimately what the book leads to is the name of Jesus, because Mm. Jesus is the name above every name. And it's in his name that we find freedom, his name that we find wholeness, his name that we find our true identity. Oh, that's good. Do you have a, no, I don't think I need to read the book. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Do you feel you like to read it, Brian. do you feel like you uh, that's a weird question. Do you have a favorite name? Oh, that's a really good that's a really good one. Um, who can make a top five list? Top five names. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's I, I, I almost don't want to share it, but there okay. is a name from my childhood that interestingly I have prayed for for years and years and years that God would speak a specific name over me. And just in the past year, as I was writing, I was in a meeting with my spiritual director and she said, I have to say something to you. And she said, I feel like there's a name God wants to name you. And she said this thing, and this is in chapter two of my book, but that was literally the prayer I've been praying longing for since I was a little girl. And so that's, it's a little bit secret because I want you to read, read the, the book, book, but um, I will tell everybody God that names name, us personally. That name is Radio Co-host. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. That is. All right. So when is the book? You can pre-order it. Yes. Right pre-order now. now comes out September 7th and join the book launch team this week. You can go to Obsamp at Instagram and uh, click on the link in the bio. You'll see the form there. You can find me on Facebook or Twitter. You'll see the form. Sign up today. All right. So go get that book. Well, we're glad to be with you. Coming up next. We're going to talk about the pandemic and all the changes going on. Aubrey and I are going to do that next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Coming up this hour, what do you make of all the new COVID news? We're going to try to process that. And then we're joined by Scott Cochran, Vice President of International Ministries for the Global Leadership Summit. You're listening to The Common Good. everybody, welcome back to The Common Good. I'm Aubrey Sampson here with my amazing co-host, Brian Fromm. All right, Brian, how are you feeling about the pandemic, which seems to be surging again, but I'm hoping it's not. I, uh, I knew we were going to talk about this at some point. Right. And We've been sort of avoiding it, haven't we? Here's the deal. I'm, I'm struggling with it on a couple different fronts. So here, maybe you and I can just talk this okay, out a little bit. Okay, we're going to talk it out. So, so we're all just laying all the cards on the table. You and I are both and are... Families are are fully vaccinated. Yes, who, the, of the people ages, ages that can be appropriately. Yes, us and our spouses are uh, fully vaccinated. Yes. And so, uh, you know, one of the reasons I got vaccinated was to move back to normal life. Absolutely. And now we've got this Delta variant. Yes. And but where I really really struggle, and just tell me where I'm wrong. Okay. 
is that I feel like everybody who can be vaccinated has had the opportunity tenfold now. Definitely. Put it another way. They've made the choice not Not to get vaccinated. vaccinated. Yes. And so I'm great with I got no problem with that. Yeah. Like that's your choice. But then roll. You're rolling the dice, right? And don't make me go back. I understand. Well, now we have to think about the kids or this and that yes. or spread who spreads. Yes. But everything I read says that people who are vaccinated, uh, outside of really extreme outliers, aren't getting hospitalized. Aren't getting. They're getting COVID. Some, but aren't getting it. And that 99 percent of people in the hospital are are uh, not vaccinated. And so I want to be like, how about we all just live our lives now? Right. Let's just all live our lives. And if you want to continue to not be vaccinated. I'm fine with that. If you want to put yourself at risk in that way, if you feel like it is a risk, Correct. that's on you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe you're like, nope, you put yourself at a risk to get vaccinated. Fair. Fine. Fair. But this now we're going to move back because Delta variant is spreading when we know why it's spreading. Again, I'm not an epidemiologist or an immunologist or whatever, but I'm struggling with just I and I think I've got covid fatigue really mm. hard right now yeah so, yeah and i think a lot of people do i i don't you and i we met each other at panera today to kind of plan the show mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you texted me like bring your mask you gotta wear it yeah they're like, being strict about masks oh, again you've got to be kidding me there it's so discouraging to be back it did in feel some discouraging level where we were and where we are but now the question comes back to us as christians how do we approach not even just COVID, but now again, everybody yelling about COVID. Like it felt like we were past this and now we're right back. Lots of yelling, lots of opinions, lots of right. this, lots of that. Right. And I do think we have to go back to the conversation of goes, okay, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? We actually have an audio clip of Dr. Fauci. He was interviewed on The Week on ABC talking about how he feels like things are going to play out in the next few months. Let's go ahead and listen to that. I don't think we're going to see lockdowns. I think we have enough of the percentage of people in the country, not enough to crush the outbreak, but I believe enough to not allow us to get into the situation we were in last winter. But things are going to get worse. If you look at the acceleration of the number of cases, the seven-day average has gone up substantially. You know, what we really need to do, John, we say it over and over again, and it's the truth. We have a 100 million people in this country who are eligible to be vaccinated, who are not getting vaccinated. We are seeing an outbreak of the unvaccinated. There's some breakthrough infections among vaccinated. You expect that because no vaccine is 100 percent effective. But in the breakthrough infections, they are mostly mild or without symptoms, whereas the unvaccinated who have a much, much, much greater chance of getting infected in the first place are the ones that are vulnerable to getting severe illness that might lead to hospitalization and, in some cases, death. So we're looking not, I believe, to lockdown, but we're looking to some pain and suffering in the future because we're seeing the cases go up. So hearing that, I mean, I'm hearing a little bit of echoes of what you said, Brian, that if you've been vaccinated, generally speaking, you are okay. If you haven't, you're more at risk. We're going to see some pain and suffering as the cases rise. I think the reality is um, my thinking is a little bit like yours, Brian. Everyone who has had the chance to get vaccinated, if they want to, can by now. I realize some people are waiting for certain vaccines. Some people are waiting for some more information. Totally fine. I will say where I feel a little bit differently than you. I feel like if you've chosen not to get the vaccine, that's your right. But then you're making a choice to wear a mask. That's what I feel like. And so 
if you're not vaccinated, I personally want you to wear a mask so mm-hmm. that the spreading stops so that we can go back to normal. <laughs> but I know this is messy. I know this is hard for all of us. The reality is somehow as Christians, we have to continue That's to right. love each other in this. And in fact, in fact segue. speaking of that, <laughs> Brian and I actually wrote an article for the Better Samaritan at Christianity Today last week called How Do I Love My Friends Who Are Slow About Moving Into a New Normal? And ultimately, what Brian and I said is the key is love. love. Yeah, yes, love. What is weird is even in the delay from when we wrote this to when it came out, everything changed. Everything has changed. Because we were talking about the new normal of going back to normal. <laughs> right. But and now I, we're in the, like, the new, new reverse normal. But the beauty of scripture is that Paul's words in 1 Corinthians about love, they hold true. They hold even true. For, because here's what you and I, I think most are concerned about. How are we as the church, how are we as Christ followers going to be different from everybody else yeah, who's yelling good. about COVID, who's getting mad at each other, who's, who's I must be heard, I must be right. Is there a posture that we can take uh, centered on love and loving our neighbors that, that isn't so argumentative, mm-hmm. isn't so combative, but actually is a good picture of who Jesus is? Uh, and I feel like that's been our call well, it's always our call, but throughout COVID, and now it feels like we're back there again. And so you and I walked through the uh, that passage, that well-known passage in 1 Corinthians, but you know, the first one being love is patient. Yes. I, I don't think we as a culture are very patient with each Not other, with especially each other. with the people we disagree with. Mm-hmm. And so the question becomes, if what does it look like for me to be patient? Like if you and I disagreed, how do I still show you patience? Yes. Like if you're like you know what? I'm just not willing to not wear a mask. Right. And I think that's crazy. How can we, st- how can I be patient with you and yes. vice versa? Uh, again, very practical. What does it look like for us to show patience? So love is patient in this conversation. Another thing that we talked about from the scripture is that love is kind. I think that goes <laughs> hand in hand with patience that in the middle of this is we're all making decisions and we're trying to do ultimately everyone on every side is trying to do the best they can. Right. That kindness compassion, practicing how we treat each other with kindness, what we say, what we do, that matters for the Christian. Yeah, and that part now, it's so funny, we always read this at weddings, so to think about it in terms of COVID. <laughs> of but COVID, right? Love doesn't envy or boast and isn't proud. I think that says, I'm not going to say, hey, all I care about is what I think. Yeah. I, I know better than you. Uh, I know better than Fauci. I know better right. than whatever. Right. Uh, but instead going, maybe I don't know everything. Maybe there's a humility that needs to be at play here that says, okay, for me to show love to you or to my neighbor or whatever might be to be like, hey, tell me more about what you're thinking so I can understand as opposed to I'm right and you're wrong. That's good. Take right? the last one. Yep. The last thing that we said is love doesn't dishonor others. And I feel like that's the heart of all of this. Even though the world has been flipped upside down, honoring others, honoring their choices is a way that we love them right. through this season. And in a divided world, honoring each other is a way that we honestly honor Jesus. You can find that article, How Do I Love My Friends Who Are Slow About Moving Into the New Normal at Christianity Today Under the Better Samaritan. We're so thankful for them for publishing that right. on behalf of Brian and myself and the common good. Well, coming up next, we're joined by Scott Cochran, Vice President of International Ministries for the Global Leadership Summit. That event is this weekend. It's going to be actually at the end of this week. End it's this going to week, be a yes. great one. You are not going to want to miss our conversation with him. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, friends. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on this Monday evening. 
Hopefully you're enjoying yourself, getting done with the work day. That's Looking right. forward to a great night together. Well, coming up at the end of the week, Aubrey, is the Global Leadership Summit. And that's coming up this Thursday and Friday. And this year, you can attend the Global Leadership Summit in person and online. There is an amazing array of speakers, including Craig Rochelle and Malcolm Gladwell, who I love to amazing, listen to. I love Malcolm right. Gladwell. Uh, but just to name a few, you've got those speakers and many, many more. You can find out more at globalleadership.org slash summit. That's globalleadership.org slash summit. And with to talk about the summit, we're excited to be joined by Scott Cochran. He's the vice president of international ministries for the Global Leadership Summit. Scott, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing so well, Brian and Aubrey. Thank you very much for having me on today. Oh, oh so glad to have you. Absolutely our pleasure. And we're excited to talk about uh, this year's Global Leadership Summit. But Scott, I'd love to talk to you with about it specifically internationally, because that's kind of your focus. Yeah. Uh, talk about how the the, uh, the Global Leadership Summit has had a global impact over the years that it's been taking place. It's been, it's been just remarkable. And, and I'm not saying that just because that happens to be my role. <laughs> had a first-hand look at what is happening through the summit around the world and how it, is, how it has transcended cultures, how, how it has transcended languages. It, it's really been, been remarkable. You know, what we've been finding is that through the summit, it's not only that uh, people from around the world are growing in their leadership. It's the impact that we're seeing happening through that, the impact in churches, in mm-hmm. organizations, in businesses, in communities, and even in countries. We are seeing transformation happening on a global scale, which is very exciting to be a part of. It's mm-hmm. amazing. And can you tell us any specific story that you might have of some of that transformation? Well, I'll, get, I'll tell you one of the ones that I, it speaks to the heart of this. We've seen this happen around the world, but let me take you back to Havana, Cuba with me. Mm. And uh, I was, we've had the summit in Havana and in Cuba since 2014. And I've been there many times working with leaders, working with organizations, and in fact, working with the Cuban government to get the summit set up. And by the way, even the Cuban government loves the summit oh, because wow. they've seen the impact that it has. And in particular, uh, a couple of years ago, I was down there, and when I arrived at the Havana airport, I was asked uh, to please come and meet with uh, one of the top government officials that wanted to talk about the summit. Well, Brian and Aubrey and everybody, I really thought they were they wanted to extend me the courtesy of telling me in person that they were canceling the summit. I mm. thought maybe there was some political thing going on. Well, in fact, when they sat me down along with my interpreter and our country leader in Cuba for the summit, the government started telling me the impact that they were seeing as a result of the summit. They were talking about a people, they said, and churches who attend the summit. They said when they emerge, they, they become very active in bringing positive change into the community. Mm. They talk about all these programs that were now set up to, to serve the, the less privileged, right in downtown Havana, for example. I was blown away. They told me about the dropping crime rate in certain wow. neighborhoods wow. because they and they believed this was goes back to the summit. So here I walked into this meeting thinking they're about to cancel us. <laughs> and, and here was the question they asked: They said, 
how many more summits can we have in Cuba? Wow. Right? When you start hearing that, you just realize something very profound is, is really going on here. That's great. Again, the website is globalleadership.org slash summit. That's globalleadership.org slash summit. The Global Leadership Summit is taking place this Thursday and Friday. Uh, and I've uh, Aubrey and I both have had a part to be at it in the past. It is really powerful. But Scott, I wonder, both in places like Cuba or right here in Chicago, what is it yep. about the Global Leadership Summit, in your opinion, that is so powerful? Why does it make such an impact? I think there's a couple of things. Uh, first of all, you, you've talked about the the quality of the faculty. Mm-hmm. You know, this year, of course, that you mentioned Malcolm Gladwell, of course, Craig Rochelle. Uh, General Stan, Stanley McChrystal, one of you know, a four-star general who's going to bring all of his background in terms of military leadership wow. you know, uh, into this. Uh, people like Dr. Henry Cloud. Uh, you, you know, I, I think to answer your question, when you look at, we'll start with the faculty, the fact that it is world-class across multiple disciplines, that is so unique, and that really has part of the transformational impact. But, you know, there, there's another piece, and maybe it's related to that, and that is it's not just for CEOs. Mm-hmm. It's not just for the, the director of the company or the senior pastor of the church. The power of what we see happen in the Global Leadership Summit is that it impacts everybody. It impacts everybody. We see, you know, youngsters from as young as 12 years old who are there being impacted. Wow. And we see, uh, you know, stay-at-home parents, we see, because this is what we believe. We believe that everybody has influence, mm. and everybody can grow in their influence. Well, when you do that from a faith-based perspective, from something like the Global Leadership Summit, mm-hmm. that's where you start to see all this impact taking place. That's so incredible. Scott, for the person listening who may be thinking, I don't know if I am the right person, like you just said, I'm not a CEO, but I am that everyday person What do you hope that they get out of the Leadership Summit this year? Sure. So, again, I would encourage everyone who's tuning in right now to look at their own role in life, whether it is in their organization, whether it's in their club, whether it's in their neighborhood, and recognize that you have influence. Hmm. You influence people in your orbit. It could be members of your family. You influence them. It could be people in your community. You influence them. Well, imagine the transformation that could take place if all of us became more effective, if all of us grew in our influence. Mm. Imagine if all of us just got 10% more effective in how we can influence other people. And you'll notice in none of that that I say, you've got to be this great big leader. That's not what it's about. It's about recognizing that where you are, you have influence. And if you can become more effective in your influence, you can make a positive difference. And that's why this is truly for everybody. Again, and and Scott, before we let you go, remind people they can go in person and see the summit, but they can also online or at, you know, kind of bigger venues to watch. Help people understand the, the different options for consuming the Global Leadership Summit. Yeah. So when you go to globalleadership.org, as you've mentioned, you'll see the options there. There are venues around, including, um, you know, right across the United States, you'll find a list of venues there where you can buy a ticket and uh, in places where, uh, you know, regulations uh, allow you to do so and so on, whether it's social distancing, masks, whatever it is, there are places where you can very comfortably and confidently go in and sit down and watch the event um, on, on a screen and in a full conference kind of environment. 
Now, for some people are saying, you know what, I'd really like to participate in this. I'm just not sure I'm ready for the big crowds yet. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just fine. You could actually watch it at home in your office. You can get a few friends together, and you can actually watch it online as well. And this, by the way, is what we've been seeing happening around the world this year, where people are either choosing to come to a conference venue, it could be a church or a theater or an auditorium, and, and watch it. Or if they're more comfortable, they can stay home and watch it online. And we're seeing this happen everywhere around the world. So right across the United States, however someone is comfortable, go to globalleadership.org. You can look at where there's a venue nearby, and if you're comfortable going to a venue, come and join us in person and have a fantastic experience. If you say, you know what, I want the content, I want to be a part of this, but I'd rather do it maybe more on my own or with a few other people, then you can see instructions there for how you can just stream it yourself. Wonderful. Again, that is globalleadership.org. That's globalleadership.org. Again, Scott Cochran is the Vice President of International Ministries for the Global Leadership Summit. Scott, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Great to be with you today. Thanks so much. Absolutely. You're listening to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey friends, welcome back to The Common Good. If you hear some dancing in my voice, it's because I love this song. <laughs> I do like this song. It's a good song, I Brian. Do. I hope you're dancing a little bit. I'm Aubrey Sampson, trying to get my co-host Brian from to dance for us today. Welcome back on this Monday afternoon. We're so glad that you're with us. Brian, I have a really um, kind of a deep question for you, kind of a real question for you. Not, okay? not the, do you like to dance or not? Right, not no. do you like to dance or not. This is actually a serious one. Okay, okay. you ready for it? I'm ready. All right. What are the dangers, if there are any, of intermingling our faith and our politics? No, a small question. Just a tiny little question, not controversial at all. So it isn't so black and white, I would say. You know, we, I, I don't think we can say keep politics and your faith separate. Well, that would be. Yeah, that's not really a, not possible and be not wise mm-hmm. because um we want our faith to be informing everything yes, we do, that's right. right? And so to say, I'm not, po- we're all political. We're all political. We're all political. Some of us not, might not be politically active, mm-hmm. but we're all political. You know what else is political? The Bible. Like there's, <laughs> you know, true. there there are things. And so therefore the answer is not, I'm just a Jesus follower. I don't do any of this politics. Right. Now, on the other side, uh, where, where this gets dangerous is when... Uh, no pun intended here, or maybe pun intended, when our politics trumps our faith, when it mm. uh, when our politics, when we when our faith is used to support our politics. And so all Christians are this and all of this party is they can't be Christians. Uh, you know, what? Uh, um, uh, it's not about Republican, Democrat. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about following Jesus as Lord. And so that's where this becomes difficult. We all preach sermons about this, I'm sure as the election was happening this past year. And I think what made a lot of us, um, myself included, just a little bit nervous or angry at times was where it felt like the passion of my brothers and sisters in Christ was so much higher over the election and my politics and my party than my savior. Mm. And I know some people like that's not true. It might not be true for you, but I'm kind of talking on a larger scale here. And that's where it becomes dangerous. Like, no, we have a Lord. Yeah. He has a kingdom. Yes. He has laid out the quote unquote laws of his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so that should drive everything about our lives. And here's what else it drives. It drives my politics. Yes. Not vice versa. The Republicans, the Democrats do not have a corner on Jesus. Like, oh, only. Rep-. No, it's not like that. But so many of us 
so many of us live that way, and that's when things get ugly and they get enmeshed, and you start having these debates within yeah. churches. No, we have a Lord, we have a Savior, yes. we have a King. Yes, uh, He has a kingdom, yes. and He has laws. We call them the Sermon on the Mount and other things, and that directs our lives. That directs our politics. And so they're always going to be intermingled. It's the question of which one informs yeah, the other. Our politics should be in submission uh, to the well Lordship yes. of Jesus Christ, yes. not the other way around. Well, interestingly, there were two tweets that I wanted to share with you, Brian, just to get your take, kind of talking about these things. Okay, the first one is from Dr. Derwin Gray, who you and I both love. I actually yep. got to hang out with him a little bit in class last weekend. His wife, Vicki, is in the grad school program at Wheaton College. And he tweeted this. When you read the Bible, do not filter God's word through the lens of a conservative or a liberal political framework. Political pundits on cable news are not biblical scholars. They are lobbyists. Jesus is not going to agree agree with all your politics or mine. There you go. What do you think about that? I like the last line there. Jesus is not going to agree with all your politics or mine. And I feel like when we reverse that, that's when we get ourselves in trouble. Mm-hmm. Jesus Jesus has birthed all the Republican or all the Democratic platform. It's not true. It's not true. They are, they are, um, it's just not true. And so I think Derwin makes, uh, Dr. Gray makes an important point here when he says, when you read, he's talking about reading the Bible. He says, when you read the Bible, don't filter God's word through the lens of your political framework. That's what I was just talking about. It's the opposite. Yes. It's, there you it's go. Filter your political framework through, through the, the lens of, of the God's Bible. word. And That's if we good. get that right, then be engaged in politics. Then go yeah. engage. Absolutely. This is not, we're not trying to tell people to be apolitical. To, no, we're, like, we're part of this political world. We're Absolutely. part of this, of this country. Be involved. But I think he put it right there. If you're, if you're filtering God's word through the lens of the Republican or the Democratic Party, then you've got it backwards. But instead, we've got to look at uh, the politics of our day and everything about our day and say, I'm going to filter this through the lens of God's word, through the teachings of Jesus when I'm talking about abortion, when Mm. I'm talking about taxes, when I'm talking about homelessness, when I'm talking about immigration, immigration, Mm -hmm. foreign policy, Mm -hmm. whatever else it might be. The answer is not what does my party say? The answer is what does my savior, what does my God say? And again, you might be like, I don't remember reading anything about immigration, but you can start to read concepts and start to this. And I think if the church could do this better, myself included, we would we would we would stand out the way we always talk about standing Mm -hmm. out in the world, because right now it does feel like we either have churches that are super political where you're like, is that like. Is that like the point of your church or yeah. we've got churches that are super apolitical? Right. No, we want we want to have people who are engaged in the politics of the world and passionate about this, mm-hmm. but through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of Jesus, through the lens of God's word. And that then informs everything and then run after it with passion. That's good, Brian. That's a good word. OK, here's another tweet that's kind of related. This is from Dr. Ed Stetzer, friend another of friend of the show, of the show and show. another person I got to hang out with at Wheaton College last week. Ed said this, people leave their church because of their politics, but perhaps should be leaving their politics because of their church. 
a Stetzer bomb. Yeah, boom. <laughs> what do you think about that one, Brian? Well, you said you retweeted that, and you've never I seen more engagement in your life. I retweeted that and had over like 1,000 plus likes and hundreds of shares, and that was just one of those very tweetable things. Yeah. Well, right? So I know that you just put the question to me, but let me ask you, mm-hmm. why did you retweet that, or why did you tweet that? Like We could tweet everything, but you're like, okay, that is yeah. worth putting out there. I, I think ultimately what I thought Ed was saying was what you've just said, Brian, which is that ultimately um, the politics don't, pun intended, mm-hmm. ought, oughtn't to trump uh, the word of God. Yes. Oughtn't trump what the work of the church is. And I think that's what Ed was saying. Perhaps we should be willing to surrender, to release our political ideologies or passions when they're not in line with the kingdom of God, when they're not in line with the yeah. church. And so I I liked thinking that perhaps the church is challenging our political notions and ideations enough that perhaps we'd be willing to leave them behind for the sake of the gospel. Mm. That's hard for people to do, yes. though. I mean, you know, I'll confess there are things I don't want to let go of, but yep. the reality is I want my entire life, including my political viewpoints, to be aligned under submission to Jesus Christ because he's my Lord. He's who I serve. You know, he's, he's my King, like you said, Brian. And so I want to be aware of where things in my life, especially my politics are not lined uh, biblically are not lined with Jesus. And I think sometimes the danger of this is that we so easily mix up Mm -hmm. our politics and our Christianity And it's specifically our American politics Mm -hmm. and our Christianity. I was with a friend from Canada last week, and she was like, this isn't happening in Canada. Mm. This isn't happening in other parts of the world. (laughs) Right? But she was just saying this this nationalism, a very specific American way of Christianity that isn't apparent other places in the world. I think when it comes to politics and everything, current events, anything, parenting, marriage, all of it, I want to think in terms of this. Like, what is the umbrella? Like, I'm pretending to be holding an umbrella. Yeah. Right now. What's the umbrella under which everything else in my life falls? But there's one thing that overarches all of it. And and I think all of us need to look in the mirror and ask that question about our own lives. Like, what is practically the umbrella? Not yeah. to what do we say this? And we as Christ followers, it, the umbrella has to be Jesus. That's right. It has to be the lordship of Jesus. And then politics fall under that. My finances fall mm-hmm. under that. My parenting falls under that. They're all informed and directed by the Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. not by something else. And so really for me, the question ultimately becomes, what's the umbrella under which everything else falls? Yeah, that's a great question for all of us to be asking. Well, coming up next, we're talking about something fun, joy and hope. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Everybody, welcome back to The Common Good. I'm dancing again, Aubrey Sampson, <laughs> alongside my co-host Brian Fromm, who one day I will get to dance. I will share a video of it and... The world will be better you for it. You showed a video the other day of me singing. Uh, yeah, you were singing the French, uh, the French Prince of Bel Air song. That was I pretty phenomenal. That. Yeah, that was good. Um, so, Brian, it's Monday afternoon. You got any big plans for this evening? You know what? I don't because my family went out of town today, but they're coming back tonight, but oh, not okay. till later. But then, 
when I'll, I'll go home after the show and I'll be home probably, it'll be me and the dogs for like two hours or three hours and I'll be like, I want to get all this stuff done and undoubtedly I'll just watch the Mets game and make a sandwich. <laughs> you won't do all the things. Because <laughs> you're like, I can mow the lawn, I can do the budget, I can pay some bills, oh, I could do all this without the yes. kids here and the, it never happens. Does I was, it happen? I was not meant to live by myself. Let's just put <laughs> it that You like way. having people yes. around you. Well, good. I How hope you have a fun evening. Um. You know, I'm a little ashamed to say this, but I started watching a little show called The Bachelorette um, a couple weeks ago. I don't typically watch it, but it's on tonight, and now I'm sucked in to the horrible drama. We're going to pause for a second here, okay? because that is like the lowest rung of the lowest rung. Yes, I can't defend it. I think that you have spoken the most obvious lie that you've spoken all day today. I don't normally watch it. I don't normally watch it. I haven't watched it in seasons, like years. So, why now? Yes, because some gals from my grad school who are younger watch it faithfully, and they wanted to borrow my TV when they were in town for our class a couple weeks ago. And so I sat and watched it with them, and I was like, oh, no. There's a biblical phrase where they, say, now. where they say, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> I should have said it. So will, in, no. will, will one Kevin Sampson be joining oh, you yes. on the couch? Yeah. Really, I could picture your husband yeah. liking he, this. He, he watched <laughs> it. I mean, we definitely are the peanut gallery, like judging the whole thing while we watch it. But I shamefully, that's what we will be doing tonight. We will send our kids out of the room, though, because they are not allowed to We're watch. We're discuss this tomorrow. Yeah, there's it. Shamefully, we can talk about. It. All right. Here's something serious for us to talk. Fun. But serious, we like to bring you hope at the end of every episode. That's our goal here on The Common Good. And The Bachelorette doesn't bring much hope, but we do have some <laughs> real hope for you. All right, so Brian, mm-hmm. how would you describe or define the word joy? Yeah, that's really good. I, I think there's a difference. We I think we often link joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. We kind of confuse it too, because happiness... I, I think is contingent upon your circumstances. Okay, that makes sense. Is often contingent. Yeah. You know, am I doing something that makes me happy? Are we, you know, Disney World, the happiest place on the earth? Or are there hardships in my life? And of course, I'm not going to be happy if the doctor says I have cancer or if whatever else it might be. Yeah. Joy is a more rooted, uh, I don't even want to call it a feeling, uh, that is outside of our circumstances. Mm. So it's the, you know... I, I I can trust in the fact that God is faithful to his promises and that he loves me and has a plan for me, even when I get that bad diagnosis yeah. or even when I. And so that's the difference between, I would say, joy and happiness. How would you differentiate the two? I mean, I would say that's pretty much how I've been taught and what I've understood is the difference that happiness is circumstantial and great. I mean, there's nothing wrong with happiness, but it can change, obviously. But joy is that ever abiding mm-hmm. really sense of trust and hope that Jesus is who he says he is and is in the process of making all things new. Interestingly, on Twitter, I asked you that question because Tim Keller, uh, not a friend of the show, but someone we would like to be a friend of the show. I would like show. him to be. Yeah. Someone, if someone is a real friend of Tim Keller, tell him we are longing for We're his longing friendship. We're longing for him to be a friend of the show. <laughs> we like him. We We talk about things that he says and does quite often. But one of the things he tweeted was this. The opposite of joy is not sadness. Mm-hmm. It's hopelessness mm, that gets at it because I think the opposite yeah. of sad, the opposite of happiness is sadness. Yes, and I think that does get added. I the opposite of joy is not sadness. So you sit in that first part and you go, okay, 
most of us would probably think the opposite of joy actually is sadness, mm-hmm. but I think that I think gets I at that, that. That gets at the difference between happiness and joy. But then he gives the answer because it would beg if he only wrote the opposite of joy is not sadness. You go, okay, then what is the what opposite is of joy? Yeah. And this idea of hopelessness. Because mm-hmm. again, what we were saying, right? Yeah. Joy is joy is anchored in stuff above our circumstances. Well, when it's not and our circumstances go bad, then then we're just hopeless. Right. Like, where's my hope? We can have hope in the in the uh, in the good news of the gospel and in the promises of God, even when things are around us not going well yeah. and when things are falling apart. So I think he's right here uh, that the opposite of joyful. There's a lot. This is classic Keller, right? He did say how many words. There's like 10 words there or whatever. And it's like. Gosh, there's so much to think about. Like, there's an entire <laughs> book in there. There's this an entire is very sermon Keller, series isn't it? in there. Uh, but I guess I would start with: Do you agree with them? Do you think uh, hopelessness is the opposite of joy? I mean, it, it strikes me as I as this is an eternal perspective, mm-hmm. right? Because even when things are um, sad, if you have joy, then you believe that. Um, one day they will be hopeful again. So even if it's not on this earth, that one day, whether when you're reunited with Jesus in death or when Jesus returns, mm. we will have ultimate hope. And yeah. so that's something I like about it, that it has an eternal perspective in this statement. The opposite of joy is not sadness, it's hopelessness. Interestingly, reading some of the comments, someone said, indeed, joy and sadness can coexist. Joy and hopelessness cannot. Mm. But then someone disagreed, not to be contrarian, but they quoted Ecclesiastes 3.4, <laughs> but I'm going to be. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. So he says the opposite of hopefulness is hopelessness. What do you think about that kind of a uh, uh, point of view? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think Keller, even in saying the opposite of joy is not sadness, I don't think he's saying you'll never be sad. Right. I don't think he's saying that, that you shouldn't weep and there's not a time. I mean, we all do. In fact... I think one of the problems in Christianity over the years has been this, rem- like, oh, you should never be sad. Mm. But I think it's in the weeping, it's in yeah. the mourning, it's in the lamenting, it's in the just brokenheartedness that we can have hope. Yeah, that's right. And we can have the joy of the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's important to remember in the book of Philippians that talks about joy and rejoice in the Lord always, all this more than any other book. Paul's in prison. Paul's in prison. And he's facing yes. death. His circumstances were not determining his joy. Mm-hmm. I wonder if someone had asked the question, Paul, are you happy? Um, I don't think he probably would have said yes. Right. Paul doesn't strike me as happy. He most doesn't of seem like a happy. That, I wouldn't characterize Paul as a happy-go-lucky but, guy. But I do think that Paul is able, and you've got to catch this when you read the book of Philippians. Paul is able to speak of joyfulness while while um, chained to a prison wall facing possible execution yeah. for what he says earlier in, in Philippians, when he says, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. Like, I know that how this story ends, mm. so therefore, I don't want to be chained to a prison wall. I don't want to, but I'm okay. I, I have hope. And so I think that kind of gets added. And yeah, life's, this doesn't mean you won't ever be sad. Right. That's not the that's not at realistic, all. not yeah. at all. And that's never the promise of Scripture. Right. But it says there's something deeper that you can hold on to. And so many of it, there's people out there right now, broken hearted, just kind of going through it. And, and hopefully this serves as an encouragement. Yeah. Right. There's still the promises of God. He still says, I'm near the broken hearted. Right. All of this stuff, you can still hold on to it. Yeah, we can still hold on to it because ultimately, as we've kind of circled around here, the the object of our hope is not 
what's happening to us. The yeah. object of our hope is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we can have hope eternal. And I think the word here also is, hey, if you're weary, if you're sad, that's okay. Like, don't shame yourself. Don't beat yourself up for that. That's just the reality of life. But you can ask the Spirit of God to give you hope that is anchored in your firm mm-hmm. foundation mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. Hope that doesn't, you know, ride the waves of emotions, but um, stays focused, laser focused on Jesus That's Christ. Right. That's right. And I just think it's so important. Like, it's something... It's one thing to talk about this in churches, right? Like for the pastor to get up like, oh, the book of Philippians, he's chained to a prison. And just to hear this thing, it's another thing to embody it and know it and be able to hold on to it when life is crumbling around you. Mm -hmm. I always love the picture of Peter walking on water when he starts to sink. And what does he do? He reaches out to Jesus, save me. And like that's the picture we all need to. And so if you're out there, I would just close myself this way. If you're out there brokenhearted, struggling, full of sadness, just not sure which way is up. Don't run from God, run to him. That's good. Like he is an anchor. He is a firm foundation. Well, thanks for joining us today. We hope this has encouraged you. We hope you join us again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.